Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. My name is Pastor Daniel Williams and I am your host, blessed to be able to point you to Jesus and equip you and encourage you for the work that he has called you to do. You know, I say there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do. So I pray that you're encouraged. I uh, pray that you're blessed. Uh, Thinking about uh, just our time together, it always encourages me to make an appointment here in my office to speak into the camera, but I know I'm speaking into lives and souls. And so whether I'm watching you on YouTube or you're subscribed to many platforms that we have, Uh, man, thank you guys so much for listening, for watching, for sharing, for helping spread the word. I'm super encouraged by this ministry to be able to learn and grow with you. And one of the things I love about hosting this is being able to get a plethora of leaders that are connected in my life to be able to ask them, hey, what's God teaching you? What what would you want to share with uh, maybe the people that I'm influencing? And it's just created such an amazing platform with a group of leaders that um, I'm just blessed to serve alongside with. And I'm excited for this day's uh, episode as we are be able to introduce to you some people that are very close to me, uh, specifically one person, Pastor Robin Shelley. Uh, Robin Shelley is the associate pastor at Redemption Church, where I am the lead pastor at. We are elders together, uh, laboring in the work. And man, my life would not be the same uh, without him in it. He has been a great brother. Uh, he is a great Bible teacher. In fact, he teaches the Bible at a a local uh, school here in our area uh, where I serve on the board there. And uh, man, it's just so cool to be able to see God use him uh, up close and personal, but also just to hang, man. He's a good friend. He's a good brother. And I'm excited for him to share the leadership lesson with you today, which is sort of a rough subject. Tonight, Today's episode, we're going to be talking about pride. We're going to be talking about entitlement as Robin's going to share. But I think it's something that we do need to address. You know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I need some grace. I want God uh, to be pouring out his grace to me. So I proactively ask God, Lord, I want to walk in humility. And I think as I'm growing as a leader, that's being being more attractive to me. Uh, Those leaders that are humble, that are learners that, um, have a right recognition of themselves, you know, and pastor Robin is one of those guys where, um, the Lord has done a lot of work in his life. He's restored him. He's cared for him. He's just, um, really built him up to serve others. Well, and he's gone through a situation where he's going to share, um, to be able to really testify of God's goodness of how God restores and redeems and really, um, pours out his grace on our lives. And so we're going to have Pastor Robin share a leadership lesson, a one piece of advice video, another local leader here in our area, uh, John Ellswick. And so uh, it's going to be a great episode. I think you're going to be blessed. And I'm going to share another resource, uh, a book, recommended book, and maybe a leadership lesson, uh, just a sort of a tool, a framework to be able to apply the gospel in our hearts and our lives so we can walk in humility. uh, And I'll do that more towards the end. So I'm looking forward to this lesson, spending time with you. And uh, I just wanted to uh, say, I'm praying for you. I care about you. Thanks so much for watching. And uh, man, just excited to have another opportunity to speak truth into your life. So here is Pastor Robin with his leadership lesson on entitlement. My name is Robin Shelley, and I'm the associate pastor at Redemption Church. And so I'm super excited to be able to do a leadership podcast and um, this uh, lesson that I really feel like the Lord has walked me through over many years. I started in leadership uh, probably in the early 2000s as a deacon um, at the church that I was attending. And 
really struggled with it. Thought, you know, I remember actually meeting with my pastor and saying, no, I not, I can't be a deacon. I'm not um, good enough to be a deacon of the church. And, um, and he's like, why? Why? And I was like, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I don't. And all of those things are always still true. You feel like I don't do this enough. I don't do this enough. And I don't. And he's like, well, you know, it's really about serving the Lord. It's really about, and all of those things are important and we need to be doing those things. Um, but uh, God continued to lead me into leadership to the point of um, eldership in that same church and ultimately uh, going on staff and um, becoming a pastor, uh, being sent out as a missionary and, uh, and then uh, eventually coming back to the States and now uh, being an associate pastor here at Redemption Church. So uh, that's about a 20 year journey that I just took you through. So uh, the lesson that I wanna share with you today uh, is about entitlement. And it's one of those things that uh, I really think that the Lord began to reveal to me. Uh, and someday, maybe when my kids graduate or something, uh, if, if the Lord so guides, I'll, I'll write a small book on it. But um, I really think that uh, it's important for us as leaders to kind of keep this in check. And I think it's easy to slip into as well. And so uh, I want to just start by what is entitlement? And uh, I, I went with the Oxford Language Dictionary because uh, I like this definition of entitlement. And it's the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. And so, um, you know, we talk about the idea that we feel like we that we're owed something or, you know, that it's a very common concept in today's culture. Uh, I, I, I have the right to this. I have the right to that thing. And so uh, this is something that God has walked me through through the years. So I want to start with a passage of Scripture. And usually when we would think of something like entitlement, most of us uh, wouldn't think of Job. Uh, but I'm going to read you a passage from the book of Job and uh, kind of walk through uh, some of the ideals there. Um, from Job chapter 30. And um, I remember always hearing about Job and uh, Job, such a faithful man of God, Job suffering so much and never turned his back on God when his, his family, everyone, his wife, Job, you should curse God and die. Uh, and then I remembered really reading through the book of Job and I was like, oh, I didn't know that Job struggled with these thoughts and ideas. I, I struggle with these thoughts and ideas. And so uh, in Job chapter 30, verses 20 through 26, um, and uh, this is the ESV version, and it says, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death to the place appointed for all the living. Surely no one lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. Now, most of us know, as we've read the book of Job before, that uh, God responds to Job, and in, in especially in chapter 37 and 38, he, he asked Job, he's like, Job, uh, did you? And then he lists off uh, all the, the 
magnificence of his creation and, and the things in his creation, the stars in the sky, Pleiades, the largest creatures in the sea and, and of the land and all of those things. <clears throat> and uh, he said, Job, Job, did you do that? Did you pour the, the waters of the oceans out of the palm of your hand? And God is reminding Job of how big that he is. And he's reminding him that he has this, that he is in control. And I like this section of scripture, especially because God is rebuking Job for his questions and for this, but at the same time, he's not um, pushing him away. Um, <clears throat> so he says, Job, really, who are you to question me? Who are you to question me? And, and uh, I think that's important for us to remember um, our place when it comes to a holy God. And so uh, I love, absolutely love when it's Christmas time to break out the Charlie Brown's Christmas. Um, and, you know, it's a 30 minute section. I think most of us love uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas because Linus gives that gospel message of what Christmas is really all about. But one of the things that really spoke to me from that is um, Charlie Brown being completely frustrated about people not focusing on what Christmas was about and it becoming very materialistic. And that's why we end up with Linus. But one of the scenes leading up to that is his little sister, Sally. And Sally really begins to uh, encapsulate this idea of entitlement that I think more of us struggle with than we really want to admit. Um, so Sally starts out with her conversation as Charlie Brown's going around talking to each one. Snoopy's setting up his house in a contest for a thing. And he gets to Sally and Sally says, uh, Charlie Brown, I need your help with my list for Santa this year. And she says, she starts to read it to Charlie Brown and she says, I, I want to tell you that I've been extra good this year. So my list is extra long. And then she proceeds to ask for this big list of things and Charlie Brown just throws his hands up in the air. And she ends by saying, well, and if money is easier, that's fine too. Just tens and twenties and, and all of these things. And Charlie Brown gets frustrated in this moment uh, at her materialistic approach to Christmas. And she says, what? What? All I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share. Schultz, Charles Schultz, who, who created this, uh, he seems to capture the heart of man. And I think that so many of us uh, struggle with this. And so we tend to believe that we're entitled to something, that we're entitled to uh, perfect love, a perfect happiness, to uh, prosperity, to health, to comfort, uh, and to ease in our lives. And uh, it's really uh, not what Scripture teaches us. And so uh, I think it's especially easy for pastors and missionaries to find themselves in this mentality without actually realizing you feel this way. And so I was a missionary pastor for six years, as I mentioned in the beginning, and I came to this harsh realization when I would start to return to the States for uh, what we called furloughs. And so I believe that because I had sacrificed so much for God that He kind of owed me something, right? Imagine a pastor spending your days counseling people through sin, counseling people through uh, their, you know, misguided thoughts. And then 
having to deal with your own misguided thoughts and <laughs> ideals and specifically pride, right? I mean, that's what we're really talking about when we talk about entitlement. So there it is, bum, 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 pride, the ultimate sin uh, that I think that is the easiest for uh, pastors and leaders to struggle with. And uh, I think it's one of those things that Satan really loves to attack us with. Uh, playing on our pride there. So entitlement is based in pride. It really boils down to having a prideful heart. Um, when we talk about Sally Brown, as, as I was mentioning, she said, I have been extra good this year, so I'm going to ask for a lot. So my list is extra long. I deserve something. I've been extra good. As a missionary, I found myself frustrated because I had sacrificed so much. I sacrificed my language. I sacrificed my culture, my, my people, like everyone around me. Even the food that we ate was totally different, right? Everything had been totally different. And, um, and when we would come back to visit, people didn't stop what they were doing and, and, and just, you know, pay attention to us and serve us and, and do these things. So I would get frustrated. You know, I remember one time coming back and, we didn't have a car and we would come back to the States and, and you know, the first time we came back, somebody loaned us a car and it was really great. So the second time we came back, I was like, okay, who's giving us their car? Who's, who's going to provide for us a car to drive while we're here? And nobody did. And I remember being frustrated and it's like, what's wrong with these people? They have three cars sitting in their driveway. They can't just sacrifice one. Yeah, there's one for the husband, the wife, and the 17, 18-year-old. Why can't they just drive together while I'm here and give me their car so that I don't have to rent a car during my time here? And I remember being frustrated, and I remember the Lord dealing with me, and another pastor actually talking to me about it and saying, why don't you just rent a car? Why do you think that it's people's responsibility to give you their stuff? Because that comes from a place of pride. And I remember being mad at him, even for saying those types of things uh, to me. And so I just began to think, wow, Americans are so selfish. They have so much and they're not really as willing to, to serve other people like we are serving. And again, you can see that that pride began to confound itself and, and, uh, and became in this place of entitlement. And so we fast forward to coming back to the States ultimately in, in 2013. And, and I believed at that time, uh, because I had met with my pastor uh, before and uh, he was all excited and said, yeah, when you come back, don't worry about it. We're going to have a spot for you on staff. You're not going to have to worry about anything. And then, of course, you know, things began to fall apart in that church and that pastor was removed from ministry. And, and then I got back to the States still thinking that the church kind of needed to take care of me. They owed me this spot on staff somewhere. I mean, I was a pastor. They had ordained me. They had raised me up in this position and they needed to find a spot for me. And so I felt like they needed to be responsible. They sent me. But if you think about what I'm saying here, the idea they sent me, they need to be responsible for me is wrong. My heart was in the wrong place as I dealt with this. Really, God sent me. God was the one. 
and he and he was providing for me just not in the way that i expected or the way that i wanted him to provide and i really believe during this season of time that he knew obviously that my big struggle here was pride was this idea of entitlement like i had done so much that i deserved to be treated a certain way and here's the reality if we hold those thoughts, God's going to walk you through a season and he's going to break you of those things. So uh, that was kind of uh, what we were going through. God had sent me. God wanted to do a work in me. And I remember back to reading several books, preparing for mission fields and all of these things and uh, coming to the place in the reality where a lot of these seasoned missionaries had said, listen, God is sending you on mission, not just for you to be able to share the gospel and do all of these things, but also because he wants to do a work in you. And that work's not always easy. And so God has called us into leadership for that same reason, not because he needs you to be able to minister to all of these people. It's a privilege. It's, a, it's an honor to be able to serve the Lord in that way, but also because God wants to do a work in us in his leaders, in the people that he's raised up into this ministry. And so uh, just continuing to move forward uh, in my life there, it was about two years later after coming back to the States and kind of dealing with some of this prideful stuff. And I remember a pastor sending me down one time and it's like, well, I don't think we're going to put you on staff because we just, there's some, there's some pridefulness here. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Right? Don't we hate it when people point out our sins to us? And it would take me a while to really deal with uh, this stuff. So about two years after returning to the States, I find myself going through probably one of the most difficult seasons I've ever been through in my life, especially as a believer. Um, I had just recently gotten a job uh, at a Christian school teaching Bible. Uh, things were going really well. I really love this job and I was really excited about it and I was about uh, four months in. Um, it was tough. It was a lot. It took a lot of attention, a lot of stuff, uh, beginning teaching and those types of things uh, in this new career path and um, my marriage began to fall apart. And so at the end of 2015 into the beginning of 2016, my wife and I were separated. Um, we had been missionaries. We were church planters. This is, this is not supposed to be happening. It can't happen. I couldn't believe it. Actually, it was surreal to me. This is not, this is not allowed. And I remember going back to that same point of frustration, like, God, is this what it means? It, like, is this the cost? Like, was this the cost of, of going to the mission field? Is this the cost of, of all of these types of things? And so that was a really difficult thing. And I really remember just like, God, you owe me this. Fix it. I was frustrated. I was mad. I was mad at my wife. I was mad at God. I was mad at this situation. I was mad that this had happened at the church. I was mad that the season that we had gone through after coming back. And I said, how could they do this? I sacrificed so much, and this is the reward, ending with a broken marriage. So through that whole process, God was dealing with this concept that I, I, I had struggled with of entitlement. 
and I had talked about it to other people. I had, I had kind of, but I hadn't really dealt with it in my own heart. And so it was pride. The interesting thing is, as, as I thought instantly that that was going to cost me my job, any place in ministry, and and those types of things. As I went through this separation and ultimately a divorce, sadly. And I remember going to my boss and sitting down and explaining the situation and saying, this is what happened. I fully understand um, if you need to find somebody else to do this position. I get it. I mean, what, how good does that look for a Bible teacher to be divorced or to be going through a separation? And so uh, he said, I, I need you to explain to me the details of what's going on and these types of things uh, to make sure that you haven't done anything uh, immoral to cause this. And, and they decided to move forward and, and keep me in that position. Now I've been there for nine years. And God has done a great work in my heart in this. Um, and so uh, there's still a lot of work to do. Okay. Um, but I, I just, I remember those days of crying out, God, where are you? Just like Job did in that. Haven't I, haven't I, haven't I done all of these things? I felt like that I, I was entitled to a good marriage, to a healthy family life, and that I was entitled to God's favor. I mean, all the things that come with ministry, all the sacrifices, all the time you spend, all the studying you do, and um, you know, if you're a foreign missionary, losing your language and your family, your kids growing up without grandparents and those types of things, except for once or twice a year, maybe at most. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that are to be made. So it's really easy for leaders and pastors and uh, to fall into a place of like, doesn't God kind of owe me a little bit? Because I've done some stuff. Um, but it's a terrible place to fall. I think of Romans 12, uh, verse 1, and, and Paul speaks of being a living sacrifice. And uh, I love this verse, and it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he says, This is true and proper worship. All of those sacrifices, all of the things that we've done, all of the the things that we've that people don't even know that you've made as a leader these sacrifices that you've made as a leader or a pastor those we need to do from a place of worship not to gain favor from god and we all know that we all know that that is where that heart needs to come from but i still believe that that we still struggle with it I've seen so many pastors and leaders fall into this place of pride and never deal with it because pastors aren't supposed to struggle with that, right? We're not supposed to feel entitled. We're supposed to embrace the idea of presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice before the Lord. But the reality is, is that we look at a man that God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man. And Job struggled with it. I struggled with it, and I'm so sure that many of you have struggled with it as well. And it goes on to say in verse 2 of Romans 12, he says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The patterns of the world are pride and entitlement. Our culture teaches us that if you sacrifice, if you do these things, you will be rewarded greatly. 
And the truth is, is that our reward is getting to be with our Savior. It's getting to be with Jesus. And those rewards don't always come as quickly here and now as we may want them. We've been called to ministry. You've been called to a position of leadership, to be a pastor, to be an elder, to be a deacon. Whatever that position position of leadership looks like in your life, you've been called to it. But we have to keep ourselves in check. We have to have a right heart. We have to surround ourselves with, with men and women that will hold up our arms and that will confront us and rebuke us when we're dealing with those things. And we have to have a heart that's moldable, a heart that can be transformed before the Lord, a mind that's not transformed to or conformed to the patterns of this world, because that ultimately will end in pride. He says that we should be a living sacrifice, and the concept of sacrifice is that I'm offering something and not expecting anything in return. So as a leader, this call and this gift that God has put on our life, we're called to use it as a living sacrifice as unto the Lord, a true and proper form of worship. And we have to come from a place where we expect nothing in return from the Lord for what it is that He's gifted us to be able to do for Him. What we get from it is worship. We get to stand in His presence and know, hey, you've gifted me and I just want to give it back. And and if that's it, if there's no earthly fruit or reward from it, there is. You might not always see it. It means we're not expecting. We're not expecting God to do this. We need to expect God to do amazing things. And I know that God does bless us and He wants to bless us. But it's not always in the way that we think or want. And yeah, we live in a sinful, broken world and broken things are going to happen. And I pray your testimony doesn't need to look like mine. I pray that you don't have to struggle with the things that that I have walked through. But you may have to. You may walk through moments that are very difficult in your life. Many pastors deal with kids that stray away, that do things that we could never imagine. And I don't think it's wrong for us to cry out and say, God, but I do think it's wrong when we say, but look what all I did for you, God. That's coming from a place of pride. Scripture puts these things in there like in the book of Job. God God ordained this. He wrote it for us because he knows that you and I will walk through these moments and we're going to have those questions. And God's answer is always the same. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to get you through it. Is it going to be the result that you wanted? Not always. Not always. But here's, here's where I'll end. In the midst of it all, in the craziest part of God dealing with my prideful heart, with the ideas of entitlement, and I'm not going to say that that's completely gone. I know God's continually working. 
continually dealing with those types of things because sometimes I still have those thoughts. But the reality is, is that some of those most difficult moments, my intimacy with God, with God was deeper than I had ever experienced before in my life. And through it, I believe that God has made me more humble. He's made me a better listener, more compassionate, more understanding to where people are in their lives, and ultimately a better pastor, a better leader. We don't always get it right. None of us do, right? But that concept of being entitled, it's based in pride. We know Scripture speaks very strongly against it. So I just want to encourage you, pastor, leader, elder, deacon, wherever you're serving in ministry, allow God to do a work in your heart. Don't allow the enemy to take hold in those areas because it can bring great destruction. So be encouraged, be blessed. Know that God is always with you and let your ministry be a living sacrifice as unto the Lord. He's gifted you. You're gifted. Use that gift to bring worship to His holy name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the journeys that you take us on. Lord, they're not always the things that we had planned or we, uh, but Lord, we know that you're with us every step of the way, and we do thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we can sit at your feet, Lord. Thank you that you love us even when we don't do things right, when we are walking through prideful areas. Lord, thank you that you're patient with us. Lord, thank you that your scripture, your word is so full uh, of broken people recognizing their brokenness and coming before you, Lord. It's an encouragement to us, Lord, in our own brokenness. So, Lord, we thank you for the work that you're continuing to do. Help us to be moldable in your hands, Lord, that we may be used for your glory. Lord, we pray that all of these things, Lord, would not just be things that we talk about or say, Lord, but that they would be reality checks in our own hearts, Lord, to allow you to deal with us in the deepest part of our thoughts, Lord. In your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Wow. Well, I hope that you were encouraged and blessed by Robin's testimony, by his encouragement. Man, just thinking about even our own pride compared to Satan's pride, it's a humbling thing where we can go uh, in the midst of our own minds and our own pride. Um, it's scary. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just humble us. That's what we need to have, our heart posture to not think too highly of ourselves and to just be, um, man, spirit-filled and controlled by the spirit, not our flesh. And so uh, we're going to keep on going on this subject, sort of a tough subject of thinking about like, how do we deal with our our pride? How do we deal with this subject? And one guy that I thought would speak into this uh, is John Ellswick. He's such a, a godly, humble leader down here. Now, I don't know him very well, but I have a couple interactions with him. And it just as I was interacting with him, I was like, man, I want to learn from this guy. Uh, he has a lot of wisdom, has been a faithful minister. He's down sort of a little bit south of me, Fort Lauderdale area. 
And um, I've just been sit for faithfully serving God uh, and being united with other churches in our area for many years. And so uh, John is going to share a one piece of advice video. And I think it's pertinent to our conversation of entitlement, of pride. And he's basically just going to tell you, hey, it's not about you, man. You don't even need to be about you. You don't need to be famous. Just serve God faithfully. And I love his message. And I think you're going to love it too. So here's John's one piece of advice. Hey guys, my name is John. I'm the pastor of Crossway Church in South Florida. And here's my one piece of advice. It is okay if you and your church never become the next big thing. Let me explain. Um, years ago, before we planted our church, my wife and I attended the Catalyst Conference in Georgia. Now, this was before we had started planting. This is our, the dreaming stage for us. We knew God had called us to do it, but we weren't quite sure when and where and, and what all that looked like. Uh, but I'll never forget one particular message. It was by Rob Bell before he had all this heretical stuff and controversy. At this point, he was an evangelical darling and everyone was excited to hear from him and he gets on the stage and he tells the story of how he started Mars Hill. And there were a few parts of the story that have always stuck with me. One, he says on the first Sunday, he had a thousand people show up. And then as he tells the story, he has this little side. He goes, we had a thousand people show up and we didn't even do any marketing at all. And the next thing he said was that, that early on, I can't remember if it was the first series or early on, he decided to teach through the book of Leviticus. So you can imagine, not the easiest book to teach through. He teaches through the book of Leviticus, and as he tells the story, more people show up. Thousands of people keep coming to hear him teach through the book of Leviticus. And then, I'll never forget, he said someone decided after seeing all that God was doing that he was going to give them a building, and he gave them a mall, like a literal mall for their church building. And I remember sitting there with Melissa by me and hearing this inspirational story. I remember thinking, that is going to be me. And that is going to be our church. We're going to have that same story. We're going to blow up and we're going to have people give us a mall. And we're going to have thousands of people as I preach through the book of Leviticus. I'm like, we're going to be the next big thing. I'm going to be the next big thing. I'll write a book and go on tour and be on a stage. I mean, like all these thoughts flowing through my mind. Well, a couple years later, we did plant a church um, and we didn't have a thousand people on the first Sunday. And I have done a lot of sermon series, never taught through the book of Leviticus. And I've never had someone give us a mall. Although if anyone's interested, we're, we're happy to receive that. Uh, God has been faithful to Crossway over the last 13 years. We've seen growth, we've seen health, we've seen strength, we've seen people come to faith in Jesus. But you know what's true? We never became the next big thing. And I never became the next big thing in South Florida. And early on, and maybe even throughout the years, and probably still something that I work through, is there's this wrestling match of, but why not? Why not me, God? And you almost try to, you almost compare yourself with someone else. Why, why couldn't we have done that? You know, have, have I not been faithful? You know, what's going on? And, and I really sense the Lord say throughout the years, hey, John, here's the deal. It's okay if you and your church never become the next big thing. Because here's the reality. What God is asking of you and he's asking of me is not to be someone else, but simply to be faithful with what he has entrusted to us. And so here's what I want to say to you. Whatever the Lord has entrusted to you, if he's entrusted 20 or 50 or 500 or 5,000, here's what he's asking. Not to try to become the next big thing, but to simply be today faithful with what 
he's entrusted. And here's what I know. If you are faithful with what God has placed in your hands, at the end of the day, you'll stand before him and he's going to say this to you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to compare. He's going to say that based on what you've done with what he has entrusted to you. So today, it's okay if you and your church never become the next big thing. Just be faithful. Well, you know, one thing I love about this podcast is being able to process things with you. That's one thing that I want to do and sort of thematically bring these leadership lessons, one piece of advice, and even interviews and books sort of having a long theme. Now, I know that these pod, this podcast is somewhat long sometimes. About an hour I try to keep it uh, because we're doing it every other week and we do other things throughout the week. I have coaching calls. We have a YouTube channel. There's a Patreon page where we put more exclusive bonus content and especially processing with other leaders like interviews. And I wanted to show you an interview that I've had uh, this guy on before. He's done a leadership lesson, but also a, a Patreon interview that I had with him, AJ Pierre, because we actually talked and discussed this subject of entitlement and blind spots and always listening and learning and the importance of being honest with our coach. I think if we're going to tackle the issue of pride and dealing with entitlement and thinking too highly of ourselves, we need to have other people in our lives to speak truth in our lives. To That's how we grow, loving accountability. And they're blind spots because they're blind spots to us. So we need to have mentors, coaches, people in our lives to be able to do that. And so one of the things that I've done this year is gone to this format of a longer podcast, giving you more content, doing it every other week, but also being able to coach specifically and be able to mentor people and just be a resource through the Patreon community. We have a Patreon page where it's a monthly subscription where you get bonus content, access to exclusive stuff like this interview I'm about to share with you. But then it's also a chance for you to ask questions, for you to even uh, get one-on-one -on -one coaching, to ask other pastors and leaders in that community, hey, like I just put up, what did you guys do for, um, uh, you know, Mother's Day? Uh, what are you doing for Father's Day? Hey, what what are your summer plans? What's your rhythms What for summer? Uh, what is your teaching calendar? There's a, a, a community where we want to grow in humility and learn from one another. And I would encourage you to join our Patreon page. Uh, for a small monthly fee, you can get resourced and be a part of a cohort and a community to be able to grow in your walk with Jesus and in your leadership. But it not only blesses you with exclusive content, it actually helps us as a ministry be able to pour into other people and to get more resources out. Uh, the more funds that we get in through the Patreon community, I'm able to make more content like this leadership lesson podcast. And so super blessed by the support and encouragement. We just had two more members join uh, Sue and Will. And I'm just excited that God is using this platform of Leadership Lessons podcast to bless people like you. And I would encourage you, man, if this has been a support and a ministry that is blessing you, would you consider having you or even your church uh, join our Patreon community to help us make more content to get it more church leaders? This is a ministry uh, from church leaders to church leaders. Okay. I'm just a host. I'm a facilitator. I'm organizing. I'm connected to a lot of people, but I know that the way the kingdom of God works, it's multiplied. And it's not about me. Uh, it's about getting God's word out to as many people as possible. And so, man, uh, thank you guys so much for your support, whether you're subscribing, uh, whether you're sharing the videos, whether you're on the Patreon community, it is an honor and a blessing to be able to be uh, walking with you and learning these 
beautiful truths from these amazing leaders, John and Robin, and now AJ Pierre. He's going to talk about the importance of actually listening and the importance of coaching in our leadership uh, because, man, God uses that and uh, it's an investment that you will not regret. So check out this interview and I'll see you afterwards. We all need trusted voices, man. Yeah. You, you have to have people in your life. Now, you can't, I always say transparency is everything, but you can't be transparent with everyone, right? Like yeah. you got, you got to, you, you have to know uh, who those people are um, in your life that you can be honest and open with, right? Because once again, there are going to be things in your life, right? That you just cannot see, yes. right? That you just cannot notice. Uh, you know, as an example, right? Sometimes you, you, you know, this, you, you may not be smelling right, right? And usually it's the people around you that'll go, hey, brother, you, you kind of off there a little bit. Yep. And you're like, oh, I didn't, wow, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice that. Why? Because you can be in a situation so long that it becomes comfortable. And yeah. not even comfortable, you become numb to it, right? Like I've lived in this so long that it just feels like another day to me. Yeah. But then somebody else who has a 30,000 foot view looks and goes, mm, no, something's wrong yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Like something's off, something smells, something's not right, something's broken. And so I think having those uh, individuals in your life, trusted voices, of course, but those individuals that have that level of access, they can say, hey, man, you love your brother, but you're off a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. hey, may, have you ever thought about this? Like, Or even like with the podcast, hey, have you ever thought about because you, you, you're, you're running yourself ragged trying to yep. do this one-on-one. What if you just kind of did it in group or curated it or put it all somewhere? And so I think, once again, having those voices uh, just help with maintaining sanity. Yes. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. and being able uh, to function properly because now you're not feeling like you have to be Superman, but that you have people who can catch things that you'll miss. Yeah. Notice I said not might miss, but you will miss. You will miss right? it. Because we, yeah. we all go through that. Well, hey, as we've been tackling this issue of entitlement, pride, uh, having people speak into blind spots, we're not going to be the hero, but God is the hero. Uh, it's hard to sort of swallow, to digest, I know. And I want to bring some encouragement to you through a uh, framework, a helpful framework reminding you who God is and really bless you as a church leader. Uh, this framework comes from this book called You Can Change by Tim Chester. And it's a great book. It's about God's forming, transforming power for our sinful behavior and negative emotions. And In this book, he brings up this framework called the four G's. And that's what I want to do today. I want to just walk you through uh, for a few minutes this framework and this tool to help you remind you who God is and what he says. Because I think when we walk in humility, we have a right recognition of who we are, but also who God is. And it can help us combat the lies of the enemy and what he speaks over us, or even our flesh when we think, We're speaking too highly of ourselves. And so I was reminded of this framework as I finished reading this book, Um, You Can Change by God's Transforming Power for Our Sinful Behavior and Negative Emotions by Tim Chester, uh, because this book is all about applying the gospel and its truth to our lives. And I think that we as leaders, we need to apply God's truth, the gospel to our lives, especially when it combats issues of the heart. The gospel has the power to transform and it could transform your life and my life as church leaders. So when when we apply the gospel and we trust God to do this great work in us, he really does change. Uh, He really does transform us. He really does help in this area. And he brings humility uh, to us and grace to us as we apply the gospel to our lives. And so I want to walk you through that uh, as we sort of close out 
this Leadership Lessons podcast with just some wisdom and, and a framework that I've known for for many years and it's really helped me. Now, Tim Chester says this, just as lies about God uh, lead to slavery of sin, so the truth about God leads to the freedom of service. The truth that sets us free is the gospel. We need to constantly be applying and growing, applying the gospel and growing uh, in our relationship with the Lord and understanding of who he is and the implications of the gospel. Uh, Colossians 1 6 says that the gospel bears fruit in our lives. Uh, and Romans 12 2 talks about how as we renew our minds and go to God's word and his truth, it actually gives us the mindset. It sets us free to not live lies, but to live this truth. And so Tim Chester, he gives this practical framework uh, to apply the gospel called the four G's, the four G's in this book. Now, I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if he actually originated this because I've heard about this framework for many years. In fact, I think the first time I thought about this framework or listened to this framework was about 10 years or 15 years ago, uh, back way back when, when I was pastoring as a youth pastor. But because of this simple framework, um, it actually helps me apply daily truths even today. As you walk and think through the implications of the gospel, it really helps. And I think whether this is the first time you're hearing it or you just need a reminder of this, uh, it's something that's really powerful. And I want to give a shout out to Tim Chester because even though um, I don't know if he originated this thought or this framework, he did an excellent job explaining it. So I want to give him uh, some love and I'll quote him uh, a little bit more um, throughout our time together is sort of closing thinking about this framework. And so the four G's are four truths about God to remember in our everyday stuff of life, in our leadership. We need to remember these things in our Christian walk, in our marriages. As we just walk this earth, these are four truths to remember about God that have great implications, not only in your life, but can have great implications in your ministry as a church leader. Now, these four beautiful truths aren't all the truths about God. We know Know this, but I want to sort of wrap our minds around a simple uh, process or a verse to get to these four truths. Psalm 62, 11 through 12 say this one, uh, once God has spoken twice, have I heard this, that the power belongs to God and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love. Uh, David, uh, the psalmist right here is writing to us and saying, God has spoken and declared who he is. And he declares something about himself. He didn't only just say it once, he said it twice, that um, that he's great and he's glorious, uh, that the power belongs to God, and that um, he's good and he's gracious. Uh, to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And so these four G's really involve uh, what God has spoken about himself. Surely it's not everything he said about himself, but these four G's are important for us to understand because he said it. And this is one verse that implies that, that God is great, that he is glorious, that he is good and that he is gracious. God is great. He's glorious. He's good. And he's gracious. And these truths about who God is, these four G's simple to understand, simple to memorize, man, they can have profound and practical implications in our lives. Tim Chester says, not many people think of themselves as someone who believes lies, but every time we don't trust God's word, we're believing something else. And that something always is a lie. We need to make sure that we're walking out the truths of the gospel in our lives and in our leadership as we lead in God's church. So simply applying these truths to our lives has great implications. Let's start with the first one. God is great. Can I get an amen for that? 
He's great, but that means I don't have to be in control. I could trust in his greatness. When I truly trust that God is great, I don't have to trust in my greatness or my plan. I can trust that God is great and he is sovereign, sovereignly and providentially working out his plan in this earth and in my life. This is really important because uh, we don't always get what we want. Uh, things don't go according to plan. Man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his step. And this is so important, especially as a church leader, because we are vision casting. We're controlling things. We're, we're, we're giving out the, the vision and having strategy and t- we're trying to go this way. And sometimes it just goes sideways, uh, but God can make crooked paths straight. He can work even when you can't, he's great. And I need to remind myself this continually that no one could thwart the plans of God. And as I do, it gives me peace. Ephesians 1.11 says that God, he works all things according to his counsel of his will. The counsel of his will. He knows what he's doing and he knows it better than you and I. And so I don't have to get upset. I remind myself, hey, God is great. So I don't have to be in control. It's a beautiful truth that has great implications. The second thing is God is glorious. And because God is glorious, we don't have to fear others, especially men. We need to fear God. You know, one common reason that many of us sin or, um, uh, man, blow it sometimes in our leadership is because we want to we want the approval of men or we, we have a fear of the rejection of man. Uh, we do a lot of things for people sometimes and we don't even realize it, but the truth, this truth that God, that he is, uh, glorious, it actually combats, uh, this fear of man. It reminds us that God is the most glorious person that we should live for. We don't have to live for others. We can live for God and be okay with that. Proverbs 29, 25, you probably know this verse, especially if you're in a ministry, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Uh, I often think about this glorious truth, this G that God is glorious. When I have to teach a hard doctrine, I remember maybe an unpopular doctrine in our society, maybe a doctrine like die to self, or, Hey, you need to live a sexual pure life. These are things that fight the flesh. These are things that people don't want to hear, or maybe we can get culturally counseled. And I say, listen, am I going to fear God or fear man? You know, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. And it actually brings me truth. It brings me strength knowing that I'm living for God and his glory and not the glory or approval of others. Because if I live for God, it's worth it. But if I live for man's glory or fear what people think, then man, it's going to, it's going to disappoint me. It's like a snare that the Bible says. Tim Chester in his book said the answer to the fear of man is the fear of God. We need to have a big view of who God is. And let me tell you, God is great. God is glorious. He's declared this to us. So we don't have to be in control and we don't have to fear others. But you know what? It's not just this big, great God out there. He's personable. He is good. He uses his power, his strength, his might to actually bless us because in our weakness, he is strong. So God, the third G is God is good. So we don't have to actually look elsewhere to be satisfied. I, I often have this uh, fear of missing out. Uh, I want to experience everything. And, and um, man, it, it, you know, I want that good life. I, I want to have a great life. I want to uh, experience things. And I'm afraid that if I don't keep on going, I'm going to miss out on experiences. But I love this about Jesus. I'm not going to miss out anything if I go to him. He actually promises an abundant and good life. I can be completely satisfied in him because he's a good God. 
And he uses his greatness and his glory to bless people. And he blesses you and I, even as we serve. The Bible says, as we pour out our lives and refresh others, that we'll actually be refreshed. This is amazing that God in his goodness cares for us and he loves us and he's good. This truth reminds me that I don't have to go anywhere else for my satisfaction, that joy and delight and the abundant life is found in Jesus. He's good and he's the greatest resource of joy. The Psalm 1611 comes to mind that at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But oftentimes we get tempted, right? In our sin, we get tempted uh, to buy into a lie thinking that something else will um, satisfy us. A sin is when we rebel or disobey God. And we think we actually are better off than God and what his word says. But you know what? The blessing comes to our lives is when we obey. And, you know, when I obey uh, him with my life, with my free time, with my sexuality, uh, when I walk in his ways, Jesus says I'm blessed and I need to trust that he's good. So when he says something that even fights my flesh, I can trust him. I don't need to go over the ways of the world or the things of my flesh or the lies of the enemy. Man, sin is pleasurable for a moment, but then there's a snare. The Bible says it's fleeting, but his joy His satisfaction is eternal. It's lasting forever. And so if I truly trust God in this G that he is good, then I'll look to him in his ways and I'll experience good. And it's just freeing. It helps you in the temptation. I have to remind myself of this truth that God is good in my daily temptation. So I don't need to, I don't need to gossip or I need to be more generous or whatever he says I want to obey. And that's important thing for me. And so God is, God is great. God is glorious. God is good. He's good. Tim Chester says, wherever sin offers, whatever sin offers, God offers more for God offers us himself. God isn't just good. He's better. He's better than anything else. And the true source of all joy, God is good. So I don't have to look elsewhere. The last thing that I want to sort of give you is this last G four G's. Uh, God is gracious. God is gracious. So this is what it means. Church leader, you don't got to prove yourself. Christian, you don't got to prove yourself. God is good and he uses his good, his power, his might to bless us. It's called the gospel. He saves us by his grace, not our own efforts. He's adopted us, not by our own works, but because he loves us even while we were yet sinners. Guess what, church leader? Even as you blow it and fail, he's still gracious. Tim Chester said this, when we grasp God's grace, Uh, Man, we are able to be free to serve him for his own sake and not for reward. You don't have to work for his approval or for his reward or his love. He loved before we even ever loved him. He's uh, nothing could separate us from his love. He is a God of love and we love because he first loved us. So because of that, we don't work for his love. We work from his love. We should not base our behavior uh, off of trying to receive approval from God or his love. He's gracious. We don't have to prove ourselves to him or to other people. We, we can be flawed. We can go to him and confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us. Here's the good news of the news of the gospel is that we are fully known by God, which is imperfect, but yet we're fully loved. You are fully known by God as a church leader but yet you're fully loved. God knows that you aren't perfect, but he still gives us his spirit to empower us. This is important for me to know that God is gracious. 
Because many people, they put on a performance, right? They, they, they show, they pretend to be something else. They need to, they need to bolster their success and, and walk in pride and walk in entitlement, thinking that God owes us something because they've done all this different stuff. No, he's gracious. He gives us mercy. We don't have to do this with God. We don't have to perform. We could truly be ourselves. And he knows that we don't earn nothing. That's why he gives us not only grace, but mercy. We deserve some stuff we don't. Uh, don't get. Thank God for that. But we don't have to not only perform, we don't have to pretend. We can be honest before God. Sometimes we just, we try to pretend to even as leaders, like we have our act together and what will people think and their followers. No, before God, we don't have to pretend. He already knows everything about us and he still loves us. He's a gracious God. God is gracious. So we don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to perform. We don't have to pretend, man. We just need to continually be remain humble and receive his grace. And so that's a framework that I have loved that I've processed that I've walked through people with. And I wanted to just walk it with you. I know it takes a lot longer and there's more implications, more Bible verses about this. And God reveals more through his word. And that's why as even church leaders, we need to be constantly in God's word, renewing our mind, thinking about who God is, having that affect our hearts and lead to, you know, our hands, right. Uh, to be able to serve him and to really practice these truths to our everyday stuff of life. So the four G's, they aren't everything about God, but there's something and they do help us practically to live this life. And so as you apply these truths, it will bring great freedom, great joy to your lives. God is great. God is glorious. God is good. And God is gracious. And I pray that these truths will help you in that framework will help you in your church leadership. And so that's our podcast for today. I know it's a lot. I don't know if the format of just fire hosing you with all this information is so much. Uh, I try to break these videos down into bite-sized pieces, into just the leadership lesson, just the one piece of advice video, just maybe stuff I said or pouring into you on our YouTube channel. And I would ask for you, if you are listening, would you uh, go over to our YouTube page and hit the subscribe button, the bell, get those notifications. I'm really trying to build a video. I don't know maybe if you know this, but I'm on video right now. Uh, not that I look great or you need to look at me. I appreciate all you podcast listeners uh, being able to hear my voice, but I actually am on video back at YouTube trying to give those resources out. And one thing I love about the YouTube platform is you can watch that video or you can share that video or that one nugget with someone else like a leadership team and even watch the video and then talk about it, discuss it. And so that's the format where I wanted to do. If you are listening, man, would you go ahead and make sure that you hit the subscribe, uh, uh, not the subscribe button, but hit, hit the review Give me a five star, uh, write an encouraging, uh, encouragement to me. Let me know that you're listening. I know that many friends, many other pastors often peek in and listen and, and are subscribed and they're, um, you know, I'm a part of their rhythm, but yet I don't even know that because I need to hear from you. And so I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and whether it be a comment on the YouTube channel, uh, man, or you could even reach me, Daniel at eeleaders.com. Feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to join our community, the Patreon community. We're still putting uh, bonus content and resources there. Uh, I did give you uh, that 
recommended book, You Can Change by Tim Chester. I will have a whole uh, page of PDF quotes on the Patreon page for you this week for you to be able to uh, highlight and just get the cliff notes uh, of that book yourself and uh, try to put all the links in the show notes, whether it be a recommended book or resources, or as I connect you with these other church leaders, what their ministries and what's going on in their life as well. And so uh, we not only want to pour into you, but we love you being able to bless us and let us know how we can serve you, how we can help you. If there's questions, if there's comments, concerns, things like that, man, reach out to us. You guys and girls are the reason why I'm doing this. I am a church leader serving alongside Jesus with you. And so, man, may you be faithful. May you not grow weary in doing good, but know that we don't labor in vain. We're doing this thing together and I'm so blessed and encouraged to be able to walk alongside of you. And so uh, thanks guys so much for checking us out, listening to this podcast and sticking around until the end. Uh, We will see you on the next video.